afternoon. And uh, I know after getting your stomachs full and uh, sitting in a comfortable chair, uh, the eyelids, the spirit's willing, the eyes are willing, but the eyelids are weak. <laughs> so, uh, spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak, Paul said. And I understand somebody said, uh, I think it was uh, Dr. Raymond Barber said, Blessed is the preacher that can get off the runway without using up too much of the runway or something like that. Uh, get off the ground without using up too much runway. So we'll jump right into it. Colossians chapter 2. And uh, I'm going to go ahead. I was going to start in verse 6, but let's read the first six, first five verses as well and, and include that in. Paul writes this. He says, For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of, of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order, and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, and after, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. Father, we pray once again that you would bless the time around your word, guide and direct our heart and our thoughts. May we have truth that will change us, that will do the transforming work, being combined with our faith, with the prodding of the Holy Spirit upon our hearts. May you make it very apparent, very evident to us. And Lord, may we yield to it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We, in the 11 o'clock hour, spent some time teaching on uh, one of the great needs of the Christian life, and that need being to have our eyes opened, to be able to see, and to have our ears where we can be able to hear. And we spent a little bit of time, more time, uh, on the seeing part of it in the 11 o'clock hour. And this afternoon I want to deal with the topic, who has your ear? Uh, who has your ear? And uh, the idea of, of hearing uh, some things. And so, uh, Lord willing, this will be a help to you. But the greatest need uh, in Christianity today among Christians is that we see our need. Uh, we are oftentimes much like the church of Laodicea, where they are deceived even of their own selves, thinking that they're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And to be real frank with you, we oftentimes find ourselves in that situation and uh, don't realize that we're miserable and poor and naked and blind and that we have need to, uh, to come back to God and to ask God to open our eyes, uh, to anoint our eyes with eye salve that we can see and uh, to uh, allow us to be able to hear the things uh, which we need to hear. It's interesting, numerous times in the Scriptures, especially in the Psalms, the psalmist uses this phrase to the Lord. He says, incline thine ear. And, uh, and we oftentimes will read something like that because we think in terms of the flesh and human uh, 
types of, of senses. Uh, if, we, if we read that passage, uh, we often would think, well, the psalmist is uh, asking the Lord to uh, incline his, his literal ear to us as if to say he's so busy doing other things that he doesn't have time to hear my prayer unless I ask him to incline his ear to it. That's not what the psalmist is saying here. What the psalmist is saying here is, Lord, I've got a burden that is so great upon my heart, I want, I want your, 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 your power and your might to come in answer to this prayer. I want there to be a, a direct focus upon this burden, uh, the thing that I'm getting ready to share. And he often says, give, give ear to my prayer, O Lord, uh, or incline thine ear uh, to my prayer, and over and over again. And so again, uh, this idea of who has your ear, we're not talking about your physical ear uh, and the noise and the vibrations that go into it, but literally, who has influence over you uh, in the things that are spoken of. Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 6, uh, we begin to read this, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus our Lord, so walk ye in Him. It is God's will, it is God's desires, Christians, that there be a source for you and I to go to for the things that we uh, understand and know to be God's truth and God's Word. Uh, we've said so often before, it's vitally, vitally important that we have a sure Word of God, that we have a pure Word of God, an infallible, an inspired, a preserved, without error, Word of God, uh, because our doctrine comes from it. And if our Bible is misinterpreted, if it's, if it's not accurate, then we can never be assured that we have pure doctrine. It is so vitally important that we hold to uh, a preserved, infallible, inspired, inerrant Word of God and that this is the source of our truth. This is the source of what our doctrine is based upon, the things that God tells us uh, our conversation or our life, manner of life ought to be uh, patterned after. Uh, it ought to come from God's Word. It is not just a source. It is the source for the Christian. It is the sole source and the only source of faith and practice. And so it's not enough for God to open our eyes and to help us to see things that we need to see, but we need to ask God to open our ears. And what we mean by that is that we're willing to hear what the Bible has to tell us. We don't get audible uh, revelation from God anymore. He does not give new revelation. Contrary to what a lot of men say uh, in the pulpits today, they'll get up and they'll say, I have a word of knowledge or I have a word from God for you. I was listening to one fellow a while back uh, on something, and I was just being appalled at some of the statements he made. And he, he made this statement. He said, now, you won't find this in Scripture. And as soon as he said that, I thought, then why are you preaching it? Because there is no new revelation from God. Who has your ear? Who has your ear? When it comes to the matter of, of uh, Christian uh, behavior and conversation, the way we're to live, our manner of life, who has your ear? Who is it that is influencing your heart? I've talked with folks and counseled with folks and uh, people that have come to ask about some help in their life. And I start the very first session uh, with two things. I say, first of all, we're going to use the King James Version of Scripture for those answers. And the second thing is I'm going to deal first and primarily with your walk, your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because unless that is right, everything else we talk about is going to be out of sorts. It's not going to work. We have to come back to Scripture and its impact, its influence on our life. And so Paul is te teaching the church here at Colossae. He's never even been there before. He's never seen them by face. He just knows of them and uh, has written to them. 
And he tells them here in verse number 6, he says, As therefore, and I want you to notice a couple things that are going to happen here over the next few verses, and they're going to happen uh, kind of continuously. Paul, I think, does this through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there, was a, there was a purpose in the way this was written. And it says in verse number 6, As you have therefore, notice this phrase, received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Now, he cannot make the second statement until the first has taken place. You cannot walk in the Lord Jesus Christ if you've not first received Him. So it's vitally important if you're going to be a Christian, you have to trust Christ as your Savior. That's the first, that's the first step. You have to trust Him as your Savior, and the Holy Spirit of God will then come to live inside of you. But He's speaking here already to Christians and those that are saved. So while we can certainly make application to the fact that you need to be saved, being the fact that they need to, as they have received Christ, so walk ye in Him, uh, we need to focus more primarily on these folks who have already received Christ that are probably not walking in Him. And so I'm going to say it this way, that there is a possibility and there is a danger among Christians to have trusted Christ as our Savior, and then we do nothing further to walk the way that the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to walk. One is dependent upon the other. We must trust Him as our Savior or we can never walk the way that we should. There's going to be people that will be out here and live a religious life and they're going to try to live outwardly the way they should and they've never been saved. They've never trusted Christ as their Savior. And they can do that for a short period of time. But sooner or later, the nature of that person will fully come out. But it is impossible for a man who is not saved to walk in Lord Jesus Christ, to walk after the Spirit. It requires their salvation to happen first. So one is dependent upon the other. He says in verse number 6, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. It is the responsibility, it is the instruction, it is the guidance of Scripture that every Christian ought to be walking in such a way that we reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. We walk in Him. Our testimony does matter. In the day and age that we live, there are a lot of churches that say, you know what, come as you are and leave as you were. Our message here at, at, at Keith the Heights Baptist Church, and I believe is according to Scripture, is come as you are and let Christ change you into what He wants you to be. Don't just leave as you are. You want something, I, I think even Christians have been saved a long period of time, ought to come to church expecting God to do a work in their hearts. Ought to leave, they ought to come with expectation, they ought to leave change, there ought to be something different about them that causes them to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ, that we can reflect His image. I was uh, a friend of mine, Brother Wayne Corfman, years ago, I was talking with him, he's up in years now, and um, I saw him just a few months ago and hugged his neck and told him the influence he had been on my life, and he's, he's an elderly man, he's getting up in years and he's getting real frail, and every time I say goodbye to him now, I don't expect to see him again. But I remember after he lost his wife, I went over to his apartment and would spend some time trying to encourage him a little bit. And uh, he's one of those fellows, when you go to encourage him, you leave encouraged. Uh, he encourages you far more than you've ever encouraged him. And he stutters a lot. Uh, he gets, when he gets excited or he gets tickled with himself, sometimes he has a hard time talking. He stutters, has a really pretty bad stutter. And uh, we'll get on the topic sometimes. We've, we'll, we've talked about our families. And he said, he said, Brother Greg, you've got to 
you got to polish those jewels. You got to you got to make sure you keep them shiny. You got to you got to work on that. that. And I thought I thought often as he talked about polishing things like your relationship with your your families and uh, the the types of relationships God's put in your life, and he refers to it as polishing them. I thought you know that that's a that's a wonderful truth when it comes to the Christian life, because what happens is we're in the world. The Bible says, but not of the world. But because we're in the world, there's sometimes that we get tainted with world spots. Now, we're supposed to be reflecting the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, in the similitudes, He says, you're a city that is set on a hill and cannot be hid. He tells us that we're to glorify our Father and to live in such a way that men may see your good works, this is the way He says it, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We're to be a reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to behave ourselves as that which becometh the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And so there ought, to be a, there ought to be a reflection of Christ in us. And as we live in the world that we live in, uh, the influence of the world, the, the, the if you will, the, the terminology of the world, the pressure of the world, the verbiage of the world, tries to entice us through what we hear. If you remember the story of Lot, Abraham's nephew, he went toward the well-watered plains of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Peter said this about him. He said that just Lot meaning he was a just man, vexed his righteous soul in seeing and hearing. He's talking about the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah day by day. He was seeing their wickedness, he was hearing their wickedness, and they had his ear. And it's very much a danger in the Christian life for the world's influence to have our ear. They make it sound good. They make it look good. They influence us, and we begin to become spotted. Can I tell you this, that every time we become spotted, we lose how much we're able to reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. And somewhere along the line, we need to get to a place where we say, I'm going to walk in the Lord Jesus. I'm going to polish that testimony. I'm going to make sure that those world spots don't get on it, so that I can be a testimony for the Lord Jesus. I want you to notice also, he says here in verse number 7, one takes place before the other. They have to receive the Lord Jesus before they can walk in Him. Verse number 7 is no different. He says, rooted and built up in Him. And by the way, you have to do one before the other. It's, 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 it's a waste to try to build yourself and to add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and so on. It's, it's useless to try to do that if you've not rooted yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hold your place here for a moment. Turn with me to, uh, to uh, uh, Jeremiah chapter number 17. Jeremiah chapter 17. And we've used this passage a few times before. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse number 5. The Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when the good cometh, but shall inhabit, inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, and a salt land, and not inhabited. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord. So we have a contrast here. We have the cursed man, we have the blessed man. One trusts in man, and in the, in the arm of the flesh, uh, in the arm of man. The other one trusteth in the Lord. And the Bible says, in whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree, what? Planted by the waters that spreadeth out her what? Roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, for a leaf 
uh, shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. We've got to root ourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we do that? We have to be planted by that river of water and we get our nourishment from it. What is our nourishment in the Christian life? Bible reading, walking with God in prayer, spending time with Him, being yielded and sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives, being willing to follow what it is that He shows us in Scripture. I don't know how many times when I was younger, and even sometimes I find myself doing it now because of the old flesh nature that seems to be stiff-necked and rebellious against the, nature, the, 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 the Bible. But there have been times I've read things in Scripture and I've cringed at it and I've kind of, kind of been spurned by it and thought, well, I don't know if I like that or not. There needs to be a desire for the things of God. There needs to be a, a desire for God to do a work in our lives. To, to allow that nourishment to be soaked up and to be rooted in Him. Because it will ground us in some things. And notice in verse number 7 of, of Colossians chapter 2, He says, rooted and built up in Him. You can't build yourself up in Him unless you're rooted. The tree has to use that nourishment. I told you, I talked on this, or preached on this a few weeks ago. The tree uses its nourishment in order of priority. If, 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 the, if the nourishment of a tree is diminished, uh, the first sign is the leaves are going to start to wilt, aren't they? The first thing that, that tree is going to use its nourishment for is just to sustain its life. That's all it's going to do. It's not going to grow. It's not going to bear fruit. It's just going to be there. If it's not getting enough uh, nourishment, that's all it's going to do. If it, gets a, if it does have enough for that and still has a little excess, then it's going to grow a little bit. And if it has enough to sustain life and enough to grow, then it'll start bearing some fruit. And we oftentimes wonder, well, why am I not being built up in the Lord Jesus? You're not getting enough nourishment. You've got to be rooted in it. You've got to love the things of God. You've got to spend time in His Word. What happens is the world gets a hold of us. They have our ear. They begin to put an influence on us. They begin to, and, and you know, some Christians are even of this mindset. They say, well, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not influenced to do wrong by the world. But how about this? It distracts us. Maybe you're not following in the sin of the world, but you're so enamored with the world, so busy in the world, and so encumbered by the world, that you don't have time to grow. You don't have time to walk with God. You don't have time to read your Bible. I remember growing up years ago, and I went uh, to Bible college, and uh, for many years I heard preachers preach, and I heard a lot of people say, the number one uh, priority in a Christian's life is to win people to Christ. Get out here and labor and serve the Lord. That's your number one priority. And for years I trusted that and believed in that. And then I realized one day, that is not my number one priority. My number one priority is my personal walk with God. It must be there. I knew, I knew people who would go out and knock on doors and pass out tracts and try to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ who never rooted themselves in the Lord Jesus. They never spent time reading and feasting upon His Word. They never spent time in prayer. They never spent time walking with God and seeking for His power upon their lives. I believe service is certainly a high priority in the Christian's life, but the number one priority must be, must be, my relationship with God. My personal time with Him. 
And I'm not talking about the time I spend at church. I'm talking about the time that people don't even know about. People in private, people where I'm in private uh, don't even know that I'm over uh, at the house or out in the woods or somewhere where I'm alone with the Lord. Sometimes it's driving down the street. You spend time in prayer. You spend time reading Scripture, quoting Scripture, meditating upon Scripture. Letting the Holy Spirit do a work in your life. I'll be real frank with you. I think singing hymns is a great part of our walk with the Lord. If it comes from our hearts, it's an act of worship. And I'm not afraid of that word. There's a lot of churches that have distorted worship in the day we live, aren't there? They think it's all about some kind of instruments that have to be up here and all kinds of uh, you know, bands and drums and all kinds of music and lights and smoke and praise teams. Can I tell you this? Uh, the worship I find in Scripture when people are alone with the Lord and He overwhelms their hearts with gratitude. They begin to worship Him in private. And then that seems to spill out when they're together. They all begin to talk about how God has just overflowed their hearts. And then before long, you know they're praising God together and worshiping corporately. But they're doing it in a Christ-honoring way. We find that he tells them in verse number 7, they needed to be rooted and built up in Him. And the rooting always takes place before the building. The foundation always takes place before the building upon. Then I want you to notice this. He says, established in the faith as you have been taught. Can I tell you this? The way to be established in the faith is to be taught in the Scriptures. Paul told the Christians in Rome, he said, uh, that um, uh, faith cometh by what? Hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And here, Paul is telling them, he says, uh, that they be established in the faith as they have been taught. As they have been taught. The Scriptures will help to establish them in the faith. It will establish them in the faith. Again, who has their ear? Who has their ear? Does this book have their ear? Do the things of God have their ear? Is that, what, what has the influence on their life? So many times the world seems to grab our attention away from this book, doesn't it? So many times it seems to be the one that influences us. Sometimes it's a friend, a neighbor, sometimes even a family member. Oh, that this book would have absolute influence on our life. That it would be the sole authority of our faith and practice. That God would open our ears and let us hear the Word of God. He tells them, established in their faith, as you have been taught. And then he says this, abounding therein with thanksgiving. By the way, the thanksgiving always follows the abounding in understanding their faith and learning the Word of God. Abound means to have more than is necessary. It's amazing how many people, uh, they're going to read their Bible and they have their, their devotion time and uh, they, they're constantly looking at their watch. Have I done enough today? Or they look at their, their reading sheet that they have to check off. Have I read enough today? Where's the time that rather than having a devotional time with God, we have a time where we are devoted to God? There's a difference. Where we just come to the Lord and we say, Lord, there's no time here. There's no, I, I'm not, I, I don't have any appointments. I just want to spend time with you. Spend time in His Word. Spend time in prayer. I remember 
years and years ago, I was just a young man and was wanting to get in the habit of a regular prayer time. I was I just graduated high school and was working third shift on a dock loading some trucks and I'd get home about three, four o'clock in the morning and I thought, boy, now's a great time. The house is quiet, everybody else is asleep. So I'd go down to the downstairs uh, living room and I can still remember the old blue couch we had sitting there and I knelt down there by that couch and I thought, Lord, I'm going to start praying every night when I come home. I never had a regular time of prayer. I would pray, but not, not having a set time. I remember that first night, I thought, well, I just I want to spend at least a half hour, Lord. I want to spend at least a half hour in prayer. And I got down there to pray, and I prayed for, I mean, I, it was eons. I, I didn't know how to end the prayer. I, I prayed for everybody I knew. I prayed for people I didn't know. I prayed for every missionary I knew. I prayed for every church I knew. I prayed for every pastor I knew. And ended the prayer, and I got up, and it had been seven minutes. And I thought, Lord, that was pathetic. And the Lord really, really got a hold of my heart. And there came a time, and it wasn't quick, but there came a time where there was a sweetness to the time that I was spending there. And there were moments I'd get done praying sometimes, and I thought, Lord, I don't want to leave. I don't want to be done. Oh, that God would give us a heart of devotion to Him rather than a time of devotion. And He would help us to, to draw near to Him and let Him have our ear. Let Him control our thoughts. Let Him control our mind, our, our, our hearts, our desires, our affections. Let Him have His way in our lives. Rooted and built up and established in the faith as you've been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Then he says this, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy or vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. There's a digression that takes place here. There's the philosophy that men throw up. This worldly philosophy. Have you ever noticed that the world's philosophy is to elevate man? You ever noticed that? It's sad because a lot of times when the world begins to come into our churches, those churches begin to elevate men. They'll get preachers that'll get up there and say, "Well, uh, well, uh, you you need to you need to demand this and command Satan this, and you need to give God authority in your life to do this." Can I tell you this? I don't have to give God authority for anything. He doesn't answer to me. Just to say such words, I think, are blasphemous, because that is elevating man to a level of deity. And then you hear him preaching about Jesus, and they begin to they begin to make him on a human level. Almost, And they're in an effort to try to, to, to humanize God and de deify man. Can I tell you this? That's worldly philosophy. What John said was, he must increase, but I must decrease. I've got to, I've got to lift him high. And I've got to humble myself before God. And Pete and John writing here says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy... Or vain deceit. And the world's philosophy will always be vain in its deceit. It will tell you and lead you to think one thing when the truth is it will be something else entirely. It will let you think that you are the epitome of humanity. And the truth is we're nothing but a sinner. After the tradition of man and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Paul gives two, two sides to the coin here. 
He says you're going to be controlled by one or the other. You're either going to walk in Christ, verse number 6, or you're going to be spoiled by the philosophy of man. And the question is this, who has your ear? Who has your ear? The church that laid to see, he said, He that hath an ear, an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. We need to pray, Lord, open my eyes and let me see. Open my ears and let me hear. I want to be careful, and I hope that the prayer of our hearts is this. Lord, help me to be careful as to who has my ear. Turn to Hebrews for a moment. I was going to, I wasn't going to bring this verse up, but I think I will. The book of Hebrews, and uh, chapter number five. The writer of Hebrews in verse. Uh, Seven and following, a little bit further uh, up in the chapter and following down, is giving some indication of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about Him. Verse number 8, he says this, Though He were a Son, capital S, so speaking of Christ, Though He were a Son, yet learned He obedience by the things which He suffered. And being made perfect, He became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey Him. Called of God a high priest, and high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say. Speaking of Christ, the writer of Hebrews says this, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered. Why was it hard to them for them to utter it? He said the reason it was hard for them to utter it, look what it says here, seeing ye are what? Dull of hearing. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one again teach you, one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become as such, such as have need of milk and not strong meat. We need to pray, Lord, help me to hear. Help me to hear. A few years ago, I was working at a lighting company and I had to answer the phones for a, a while there and so they bought me one of those headsets that has the, the ear muff on one side and a little microphone thing, you know what I'm talking about, just one side and like clips on your head over here. And uh, so I'm, I'm right handed so I always kept it over here. And I had it set for the right level and I could hear everything and talk fine. And uh, I had left my desk one day, and I, I had taken my headset and laid it down. And the phone began to ring, and, and I had a, we always had a, a policy there at work that uh, we didn't let the phone ring three times. We always had to pick it up. So I, I'm running across the office, and I grabbed the headset, and when I did, I picked it up backwards. And so I slapped it up on my head, and I had to put it on my left ear to get the microphone to do right. And when I answered the phone, it just about blew my eardrum out. I thought, uh-huh, one of my co-workers is playing a joke on me. 
they've gone out here and they've raised the, the volume on this level. So I'm trying to talk to these people, not you know trying to hold this thing away from my ear and adjust the volume. And I get done uh, with the phone call and I laid it back on the desk. And I came back a few minutes later, needed to make a phone call, and I picked it up, put it on the right way, dialed the number, and I and that's all about all I heard. And it was real faint. I didn't realize this. I knew I did not know this before. But I had lost most of my hearing in my right ear. Now I'll tell you this, that because of that, a lot of times when I'm talking with folks, and some of y'all have seen me do it, I'll turn my head like this to hear you, because sometimes I can't hear real well if I don't do that. Because when I when I'm dull of hearing, it's unclear. I can't understand what's being said. And I use that oftentimes when I think, Lord, help my heart not to be like that. I want to hear you clearly. I want to see the truth of your word clearly. Help my ears to hear. I don't want, to, I don't want it to be murky. I don't want it to be uncertain. I want it to be absolute. I want to know your word. I want to follow after your word. Give me ears to hear. Let's stand together and be dismissed in prayer. Father, I pray that you would take the time that we've spent here together throughout this day. It's been a great day. We've so enjoyed being around your word and the fellowship. We pray that you'll help us to take the messages of the